This is Smarter Markets Presents. Join David Greeley as he connects with the leaders at the forefront of carbon and climate at AIDA's North America Climate Summit, an official accredited event of New York Climate Week 2023 and the UN General Assembly 2023. This episode is presented by Base Carbon, sensible carbon investing. For more information, visit basecarbon.com. Hi, David. This is a treat getting to catch up with you at AIDA's North America Climate Summit 2023. Yeah, no, thank you. It's great to see you again and great to be here. Well, I'm really glad to get to talk with you. You know, looking back, it's been about three months since you stepped down at Vera. And putting that in perspective, you spent 30 years working on climate, <laughs> uh, 20 years working in carbon markets. So I feel like just the perfect time. I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, Taking all that in, where do you see carbon markets? Where do you see what's going right? What's going wrong? What do we need to work on? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yes, I've spent, you know, quite a bit of time kind of in the weeds and I've had the, the luxury and the benefit of being able to step away and, and think, you know, from a distance at the markets. And I think, you know, for sure, I think they are a force for good. I think back on all of the projects that I saw, the ones I was able to visit, the ones I know about, they're just doing tremendous stuff on the ground and they're channeling finance to really needed stuff. And that's great. And we think we need to do more of that. So one of my big insights is we need more of this, right? <laughs> but, but we do need to do, we, I do think we need to think about carbon in a slightly different way that is, makes it more accessible and that allows scale. Right now, I think we have, we're living and struggling, I think, with the consequences and really the legacy from the CDM, right? Which was built and designed around a ton concept. It was basically, you have a company that has a commitment, needs carbon offsets, it needs to find a project, it gets a credit, one-to-one thing. It starts with a ton, ends with a ton. The accounting, the environmental integrity, all that stuff is really important. However, I think the carbon markets to really scale need to have a different premise. And the thing that I've noticed as I've seen and understood these projects, again, going back to what I said, why I think I'm so excited about it, is that there's a fundamental transformation that's happening on the ground. But we need to scale that. I think the individual project by project scaling is good but we can do a lot better. So I think that one of the premises that we need to be thinking about is how do we use carbon finance, not only to kind of create the reductions, which I think are really the tool and the mechanism that allows you to get the funding and the financing to the project, but really how do we think of carbon as a transitional tool so that we can transform entire sectors of the global economy so that when we do or achieve that transformation, there's no going back, right? So at the end, The one thing that kind of keeps me up at night is, well, what happens when the music ends? When the carbon finance stops, how do we know that that sector or that activity will endure? And if we think about carbon in a different way, we think about it as a way to transform sectors of the economy, how do you achieve that tipping point? And once you get there, then you're good to go. So there's a challenge about how do we think about it? How do, what, what are those rules of the future? But I think we, if we think about carbon in that way, I think it would even be a more compelling uh, framework for what we're trying to achieve. Rather than just a ton you know, in a project, I think if we're look, looking at it more broadly. I think we have a greater chance of achieving success, but I think it's more motivating as well. Like We're here to transform sectors of the economy. That to me is a much important, more powerful rallying cry. 
It is. And I think, you know, often what I see is people get very focused on the offset on the accounting piece, on does this count against this? And that's all very important, has to be done well. But I agree, if you shift your focus to the project and the good that the project's doing, that's a lot more compelling. And I'm curious, how do you see carbon finance as like the catalyst for that transformation in the projects, in the communities? Yeah. Is there a way you've experienced that over the years or a way you would like to see that happen in the future? Yeah, I mean, I certainly experienced that. And you know, we saw that in the market as it grew to the scale that it's now. But I do think that in order to get to this, 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 this place that I just described, where we're helping to yeah. transform sectors of the economy, I think you need to drive a lot more scale, right? We need to get a lot more investment in these sectors, in these individual projects that added together, create that transformation and that stickiness that prevents you from sliding back. And to do that, I think there's another homework piece that we have, which is we need to simplify the way that these projects are being processed through the system. Right now, our system is pretty cumbersome. You have to prepare a 100-page PhD-type document that only people from the global north can prepare for the most part. That's important, because I'll come back to that. Then it has to be reviewed and audited by an auditor, of which we don't have enough, and we're trying to build that capacity, but that's a big ask. And that has to be reviewed by the the accrediting entity, the VCS or the gold standard. That's a lot of work when what we're trying to do is really drive a lot of finance to it. And there's already some lessons about how we've done this or some models. So the Climate Action Reserve pioneered what I call kind of standardized approaches, which are positive list approaches. Vera then took that and kind of added some rules around it. I think we need to tinker and, and, and tweak those rules so that we're allowing the finance needed at scale. But what that does, it simplifies the processing pro process so that you don't have to prepare that big document. And it's more about saying, I've met the eligibility criteria and I can start to implement my activities. And then with all the rigor that we do in respect of monitoring and reporting and verification, but the entry process, make it more open. And what I, what I worry about or what I see is that we've created a system that disenfranchises local communities, right? It's very difficult for a local community in Brazil to prepare that 100-page document because it's complicated. And we don't, in some cases, I'm not sure that we need it. I think we can come up with different mechanisms that are simpler to work through. And, and then what that does is it will, you know, democratize the process. I think that is also something that we can really think about how we're going to fully transform the world. One of the questions that we always get, or I used to get when, you know, when I was sitting at the head of ERA, was like, well, what do you do about the benefit sharing question? Why don't we like the benefit sharing? Right now, the way the system is structured is that the system benefits the incumbents, the people who know how to write those 100-page documents, and doesn't allow the community. And so the community has to basically line up and work with the developer who then develops the project, but then who gets to decide what the benefit sharing mechanism is? You know, if, if the communities are able to participate in the market directly, that kind of appends that discussion and they then can then decide. And they're the ones who need to decide how they, they share those benefits. But that's a really important consideration that I think we've, we've built a system that works, but I think it can be much better. Right. And I wanted to kind of zoom in on this year uh, for a moment because, you know, thinking about getting to scale 
and getting to scale quickly. I feel like this year has been a bit of a, you know, whether it's a growing pains time in the market or like a challenging year after a couple of years of strong growth, you know, whether it's the compliance markets with trying to get the Article 6 markets operationalized, whether it's the voluntary carbon markets and some of the reputational, you know, attacks on certain projects like the Red Plus projects. How are you seeing like the events of this year? I guess first, how do you think we should be responding to them in the carbon markets? And how do you think they're influencing behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think the market is doing what I think it should be doing. Ideally, we'd have done it before, but I'm referring you specifically to the entire Council for the Voluntary Carbon Markets, the ACVCM. You know, it's been very diligent about setting out a thorough process through which it will be evaluating the greenhouse gas crediting programs to address the integrity concerns. I think they're overwrought. Let's wait and see how the ICVCM says and does. But I think that process that has someone, you know, looking under the hood and kicking the tires and seeing that the programs really are doing what they say they're doing is really important. And we will stand the market in good stead. And I think, my hope is that a year from now we'll have a very different debate because the ICVCM will have gone through its process. We will have ICVCM or carbon core principal credits in the market, and people will be able to distinguish what's good and what's bad. Set out by an independent arbiter, essentially a regulator. And they followed a very regulatory grade process, which I think is really important. We've kind of have a process around that. So, you know, I think that's really important. I think, I mean, I guess if if we all could have envisioned when we needed the ICVCM, that would have happened before. Be that as it may, it's here now. I think, you know, let's support the process. Hopefully it comes out with something that's really useful and we can move forward. Likewise with claims, right? The BCMI, uh, I understand SBTI is kind of also rethinking its, its kind of r- rules of the road for what you can claim for credits. That's very, very important. But I think once we set, settled those down, there'll be a lot less noise, a lot more clarity. And I do think that carbon markets, again, for the reasons I said before, that there's a real fundamental logic for what they do and what they're able to achieve. And I think as soon as we start to realize that we are running headlong into the carbon limits, right? I mean, what's the carbon budget? About 500 uh, gigatons? We emit 60 a year? You can do the math, right? Not too long. I think soon enough, we will start to figure out that we're running very fast into a brick wall. And we're going to have to do something about the emissions that we're putting into the atmosphere. And and remember, again, back to net zero or thinking about net zero, net zero is predicated on the idea that we reduce our emissions by 90% from today. So from 60 down to six, right? So, okay. Under net zero, we will need six gigatons of removals every year. We have like 0.023 today. So that has to scale dramatically. And every single ton that we put in the atmosphere today is another ton that we have to remove that's going to be potentially very costly. So why don't we do the emission reductions today to make that problem in the future a lot less severe? And I know at conferences like this, a lot of great ideas. You've given us a lot to think about already. <laughs> and I've been asking the folks you now, are there ideas there here and here that they want to take home or there ideas they wanted to bring? I think you're ideas on making carbon markets about transformational finance, clearly one you wanted to share. I've also also heard you talk about, you know, we shouldn't be calling them the voluntary carbon markets anymore. <laughs> is, is that one of the ideas that you wanted to, you know, test drive here at the um, conference? Yes, but I've got to, you know, give credit where credit is due. That is my wife who told me that. Um, and we're having a conversation over the yeah. summer 
And she looked at me, she said, honey, why do you call it the voluntary carbon market? And I said, well, you know, because it's, it's, it's different than the compliance market and we have to differentiate it and it's got, and then I kind of stopped myself. She said, but it is a real market, isn't it? I go, oh, yeah. Do you realize, this is her words, she said, <laughs> do you realize that by calling it voluntary, you're giving the impression that it is a kind of fly-by-night, unprofessional, you know, poorly resourced, held together by duct tape and strings kind of an operation. And it just dawned on me that I think she has a really good point. I mean, that jacket, that's a nice jacket. Did you buy that at the voluntary jacket store? No. You bought it at the clothes store, right? right. And if you think about the carbon markets, there's real contracts, there's real money, there's real activity on the ground, there's real transactions. Why do we keep using the word voluntary? I think it undercuts our credibility. They're at the carbon markets. And people used to ask me all the time, well, what do you think about the, the merger of the voluntary carbon markets? It is a single carbon market. It's a big market. You can use it for Article 6.2 transactions. You can choose any accounting mechanism you want. If you go to Article 6.4, it'll be the UN uh, sanction you know, tool. You can do it for other reasons, including you know, voluntary reasons or you know, corporate commitment reasons. But to call it voluntary, I think we're putting, putting a, a real obstacle in front of ourselves. So yeah, that's, a, that's one of the ideas. But I got to give credit to my wife, who who's, you know, tends to be, well, is very clairvoyant on these kinds of exactly. things. Exactly. You need yeah. to get that perspective. Yeah. I'm curious, like, with your idea of the transformational view of the carbon markets, have you gotten any feedback on that at the conference? How, how was it received? Um, yeah, I mean, nobody's told me I'm crazy, which is you know, one start. thing. But maybe maybe people are just being polite, so I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I have to, I mean, these are just early ideas I've been sure. having. The transformational piece, I think, is pretty important. Um, I've gotten some feedback from folks that, 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 that that's a pretty cool idea. You know, obviously, push comes to shove, you have to put pen on paper and really right. think about what it looks like. I'm thinking about writing a book. Um, about my experiences, but Great. this would be one of the kind of key elements to it that might be kind of a chapter or two about how we do that. I'm working with folks at Georgetown University to potentially do some research, some academic research. Going back to your question, you know, we don't have anything that underpins a theory of change of what the carbon markets are going to do. Again, they're, they're kind of, it's a ton, a ton, you find a ton, you offset a ton, and it's very, very, uh, based on kind of a very small slice of kind of what we're, what I think we're trying to achieve or right. what I think we should be trying to achieve. So I want to explore to see if there are any, you know, good academic rigorous frameworks that we can use to frame and provide a theoretical underpinning for what we're trying to achieve. And, and that, then that gets to the question, like, so if we want to transform sectors of the economy, okay, if we have a theoretical underpinning, maybe it's market penetration, for example, right? I'm right now back to the example I had about the, the standardized methods of positive lift approach. Under the VERA rules, when you hit 5% penetration, you're supposed to stop. I've actually, I read a bunch of papers that suggest that you need to get that, that the real threshold is 16%. So I think we need to rethink some of the rules to make them work more effectively. But I think in the end of the day, abstracting ourselves at the 50,000 foot level, I think we need to have a more comprehensive 
and integral view, integrated view of what the market's trying to achieve. Right. Now, you reminded me, Melissa Lindsay, who was in here earlier, brought up the analogy of, um, I guess, when Uber was first looking at how much penetration, like what their total addressable market could be, they did the very, you know, thoughtful, reasonable thing of how many taxis are in our yes. region, how much of the taxi market can we displace? And of course, they discovered as they made the service available, people's habits of using a ride service like a taxi versus driving themselves or taking a bus changed. So they, exactly. their market ended up being dramatically bigger than you would have calculated mm -hmm. if you thought the whole system was just going to stay the same and you'd get a slice. Yes. So yes. really interesting ways of if we're kind of creating a change in the whole system. Yes. Um, what yeah. that could be. And it yeah, opens a up a lot example. more than doing the, the just, yep. just doing the little accounting. Yep. That's fantastic. And I wanted to ask you, you've got a lot of ideas and even more perspective. <laughs> um, so one question I've been asking everyone is, you know, if there was something, because getting to scale quickly is obviously so important um, if we're going to offset some of these impacts of climate change. You know, is there something on the standard side, something on the technology side, something on the tool side that you would put at the top of the list of if we can get this right over the next year, then we'll be on a much better path? What would your priority be? Oh, that's a tough question. Because I was going to say, yeah, do all three. Exactly, right? <laughs> Who's got the time? I didn't know you were going to add that, that last <laughs> qualifier. Um, I guess it just, this might be reflective of my bias, having been in the standard space right. for so long. But I do think, well, I, I guess I would go back to the question. We need to figure out, answer the question, what are we trying to achieve right, at scale? If we can have a more th um, comprehensive view of what we're trying to achieve, I think that will end up driving a lot of decisions and cascading down through the system. If we have a better system, if let's assume we say, well, yeah, we're trying to achieve transformation of sectors. Okay. So then that would cascade down to, okay, what does that mean for the project approval process, right? And that would mean that the standards bodies have to have more streamlined approval processes, right? And then that would also mean that the technology the MRV stuff, that that has to be a lot more streamlined, right? And, and so that would also address the question, are we trying to democratize it a bit more? I think the answer is yes in that particular case. So then that means we need to open it up to you know more participants in the market, um, which then kind of drives volume. So to me, it would be that we need to kind of get beyond the, you know, the project ton emphasis. I, I, but I want to be careful, though, because someone thought, when I was describing this, they're like, so we just get rid of the ton accounting and, and we're just like investment flows? But no, because remember, the ton accounting is really important. That's kind of the, I'd say that has to be considered as the tool that we're using to drive finance, but it's for a bigger purpose, right? right. And right now it's all about getting the ton, you know, driving the finance, getting the ton and offsetting an emission, which I think is the, the right tool, but I think it needs to be framed in a broader context. Fantastic. Yeah. So glad I was able to catch thank, up with you. Well, it's yeah, always a pleasure. You, so you always leave me with like six more things to <laughs> think about. So really appreciate you dropping by. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really a pleasure. This is Smarter Markets Presents. This episode is presented by Base Carbon, a financier of projects involved primarily in the global voluntary carbon markets. 
Space Carbon endeavours to be the preferred carbon project partner in providing capital and management resources to carbon removal and abatement projects globally and, where appropriate, will utilise technologies within the evolving environmental industries to enhance efficiencies, commercial credibility and trading transparency. For more information, visit BaseCarbon.com. Base Carbon. Sensible Carbon Investing. This is Smarter Markets Presents. For episode transcripts and additional episode information, including research, editorial and video content, please visit smartermarkets.media. Please help more people discover the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Smarter Markets is presented for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information presented on Smarter Markets should not be construed as investment advice. Always consult a licensed investment professional before making investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed on Smarter Markets are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's hosts or producer. Smarter Markets, its hosts, guests, employees and producer, Abax Technologies, shall not be held liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based on informational viewpoints presented on Smarter Markets. Visit smartermarkets.media to learn more.